Well, Brent is gay and Kaylin's gay and Clark is gay and Ryan's gay and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 222. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And this week we continue our celebration of Black History Month. We read from the book of Boba Fett. We've got Oscar noms and the Thunderbolts, uh, the issues. And always, we want to plug me daddy. Adam, I'm going to turn it over to you. Awesome. Yeah. So we've been kind of doing Black History Month recognition at the beginning of each of our uh, podcasts for February. And this one I wanted to take on and celebrate uh, a real brand new show, Abbott Elementary on ABC. It's created by Kita Brunson of of BuzzFeed fame. And um, I don't know if you've liked, you know, obviously everyone always likes to toss out The Office, but more recently I fell in love with Superstore and just like those kind of comedies where it's like you have workplace, you have the fun little like lunchroom or, you know, in this, like whatever it might be, this is this case for Abbott, it's teacher's lounge, but uh, Kita's like really kicking ass in terms of just like black excellence for comedy. I think the show is very, very funny. I think it's doing really well ratings wise and it's picking up speed. Um, and, you know, you've got a really diverse set of characters, obviously some archetypes, but um, I just have really enjoyed the level of fun that the show brings. And what I thought was really cool in reading a, interview from her, I think it was Entertainment Weekly, she had mentioned that particularly for network television, like it's still really important for a lot of families that may not have access to streaming and other platforms. And just like her commentary on just having to provide and wanting to provide good, uh, wholesome television for people, I think is actually a really cool goal. Um, And I would be remiss if I didn't recognize uh, the actress Danielle James, who plays the principal on the show, and it's just absolutely fucking incredible. I think she actually has a stand-up special on Netflix. Um, but if you're gonna like, just watch it simply for that character and the work that Janelle James does. But overall, you should be watching the show weekly. It's on ABC. I think it's Tuesday nights, uh, 8, 8 p.m. Central East is probably, or 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. But yeah, just again, like after, I know with Insecure wrapping up, obviously they're very different shows. I just think it's really great to continue to support um, Black creators, particularly Black female creators, especially in the creative uh, comedic space. And I think uh, Quinta's been doing a great job since I saw her first in BuzzFeed. I just, you know, really hope she continues to knock out the park because it's amazing. Yeah, I think I'm going to wait till uh, the season's done for me to binge it all at once because I think shows like that, like I tend to enjoy it more like, you know, like Superstore, Parks and Rec. And like, I know it's got that kind of similar cadence, obviously in a different setting, but uh, I, I've heard nothing but great things about it. It's it's like clockwork because you're you're spot on. Like uh, Andrew and I, my boyfriend, were just like, well, what if we just decided to like let's start watching it, let's see what it's about. And we got through all six of the episodes that were live at the time within the entire night. Like we we're like, let's just keep watching. It's totally like it's delicious, delicious popcorn. Like it's so fun <laughs> to just watch, and each episode is very funny. So yeah, I would I would recommend saving it up because it's it's really enjoyable to just keep flying right through them. Yeah, I'm gonna treat it like the like my last feel good thing before I go to bed at night. Like I because yes. I already know it's gonna give me that vibe, which I yeah. really need sometimes. Ryan, you're gonna watch it right after you watch Euphoria, where you want to like slit your wrist <laughs> and you need something exactly to... different, different, both creatives yeah. but very different vibe. Very, exactly. very shot chaser for sure. Um, Ryan, do you want to talk about uh, the book of Boba Fett season one? So his real name is actually Barbara Fettuccini, but yes, he does go by Boba Fett. Um, so this week we it's will so be covering the book of Boba Fett, as you guys say, season one on Disney Plus. 
Uh, in these seven episodes, we find out what happened to Boba Fett since the re return of the Jedi. Uh, through these flashbacks, we get the story of how he escaped the Sarlacc pit, he befriended some Tusken Raiders, and has met up with Fennec Shand. In the current day, he finds himself in a turf war with the Pikes, who don't think he has the right to claim what Jabba and Bib Fortuna has left behind. Along the way, he allies himself with many, many, many familiar faces um, and some new ones. Um, so new ones include Black Kristan, the people of Freetown, and the Power Ranger-themed biker gang, which we fucking hate and we'll talk about <laughs> soon. Um, he also encounters um, a spinoff series within his own series um, led by Mando, Grogu, Luke, Ahsoka, uh, and Cobb Vanth shows up as well. Um, we Amy Sedaris. Yes, and also Amy, Amy Sedaris not even being a character in the universe, just being herself. Mm -hmm. um, we also get a first look at a live action appearance by a very uh, famous character from all the animated series, Cade Bane. Uh, all these characters and stories lead to a, a full-on droid rancor battle for control of the city. Uh, big spoilers ahead, but if you haven't watched it, Boba Fett wins. Okay, uh, with that all said, uh, because you guys are haters and I know you don't like this season, let's start with, and let's remember this when we answered the question, what did we like about the TV show? Um, let's start with Kalen. <laughs> um, okay, so obviously the show within the show is great. Like, uh, like whenever Mando's on screen and uh, Grogu is on there, I'm like, oh, this is great. And we got to see... Ashoka Kana, uh, who I absolutely love and can't wait for her spinoff. Um, I was really, uh, I, I definitely geeked out when we got to see Cad Bane, um, you know, uh, in live action for the first time. Uh, I definitely geeked out a little bit when we got to see, uh, uh, I can't pronounce his name ever, but Chris, the, the Wookiee, Chris, Chrysanthemum, Chrysanthemum, Chris, is that right? Christan, Christan, yeah. Chris, Chris, Chris Daniels, <laughs> got it. Um, and, um, I I, uh, I like that stuff, and I thought Jennifer Beale did a fun job as basically the madam <laughs> of of the the the, the, the quote unquote brothel that we can't call yeah. a brothel because it's Disney Plus. She was fun. She was perfectly fine, but well, she the did. Positives, the positive, yeah, mm, unceremoniously. We're still on positives, Caitlin. I know positives <laughs> were the positives, and then we'll talk about other stuff after. Okay, Clark, what did you like about this? I don't really have any other positives aside what you said. It's just the, the miniseries within the series that was a spinoff in its own. Um, I mean, I just love all the characters that we already mentioned. Yeah. You didn't like when Amy Sedaris and uh, the mayor's assistant met up? I did. Comedic I did. Grogu nonsense? I did because they've had 30 years of being part of the comedy team together. So mm -hmm. I was not That's surprised comedical. they did it what that's comedical um so at adam uh you you're you're on pins and needles waiting to watch this season i know you want uh, yeah to well i was just gonna done. say i agree with everything that everybody said so please feel Great. free to just Thank i wouldn't want to waste the time talking about my thoughts yeah <laughs> why repeat things we already know exactly um with that said okay so there uh the show itself is very fan servicey it does have some pacing issues it does have some what is Boba Fett doing issues. With that said, <laughs> what are you guys thinking? I mean, the fan, the, I'll the, turn the, them the, into a positive. You, 
clock. The, the fans didn't really think it was fan servicey because it turns the gray slash not even anti-hero like anti-villain character and it's just like straight up heroic i don't think he did anything shitty the entire time character i it was annoying as shit every time anybody's like oh you're you're doing you're doing spice you're bad i'm gonna help these turd little ball kids and not you and it was i was like god damn this guy's a fucking loser yeah you should have been (laughs) kaylin kaylin uh yeah i mean i have so many things to say but clark Yes. I mean, the guy wants to be a crime lord. Where's the crime? Like, what, what crime are you doing? It's, it's the, the very end where he's, like, walking through town and everyone's bowing at him and then the woman like, gives him bonjour, a bonjour. There goes the bobo <laughs> with his tray like all that, the, yeah, I swear to God, great. it was that episode of The Simpsons where Homer, like, imagines that he's Don Corleone and he's walking through Springfield and everybody offers him a donut and he's like, ah, oh, bon tesum, whatever, whatever the hell he says in Italian, I'm getting it wrong. But it's just like, oh my God, this is a parody of a parody of a parody. And it's like, I, what I love about Star Wars, it's, it's the synthesis of like Westerns and samurai films and like old war films and like creating something that, you know, feels patchworky, but can really work. Like, to, I said this even before the season started, them attempting to do a crime show isn't, can't work because Star Wars cannot, they can never make Star Wars be rated R. Uh, you can never or even like a hard pg-13 they always have to pull their punches with the exception and i'm going to turn into a positive at the very end when we got to see fennec shand basically meeting out her revenge with the Mm -hmm. mayor and with uh the uh the the pikes i was like okay that's some pretty brutal shit where like you see the the mayor basically she strings him up and he's hanging you just see his feet i was like oh all right they actually didn't pull their punches here but like yeah if you're yeah it's like the 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 whiplash i got from him going from as a quasi villain or anti-hero to to this heroic figure like i know they tried doing it with the the flashbacks with the tuscan raiders but it just didn't it didn't work for me i when i was watching the what first three episodes that have the tuscan raiders shit in it whenever the tuscan raiders started I wanted to see the other part. Whenever the other part started, I want to see the Tuscan Raiders because each part was as boring as the other. And I was like, <laughs> no, mad I had good. to suffer through both of them. It's, um, it my big issue is that the, the villains the villains were awful. I mean, Cad Bane is a cool character that you keep saying, like, our first appearance of him, he dies in this, right? No, but he's got a little blinky thing that's still going okay. off at the very end. Boop. Cool. Yeah, so well, he's probably still alive. And as we know, you can get cut in half in this universe and still. Well, be he fine. was bare. He he was. I thought something else was going to happen to him. I mean, he shot Timothy Oliphant. Even at the end, Timothy Timothy Oliphant is still alive in the fucking whatever the fuck that regeneration machine. I mean, no one's going to die. Getting I mean, robot body parts. It was just like he didn't do fucking shit. He didn't do anything. He got these bad the people guards, that, that Finnick Shan kills all the people that are in charge of anything off on nowhereville they're not anywhere near anything all we have is two fucking tech droids ro- like roboting around and we have to watch them be fought for 40 minutes it was just a i don't care about two damn droid like two damn mo- mecha droid things well you're a droid racist okay no, with that's that in fine mind, so K- Kate bang got a lot of uh a lot of backlash because they said his look didn't appear to be what he looked like in the animated series and to that i, I said looked- that was animated but i think i don't see that criticism do you guys agree or i think he looked better to be honest because i think what they did a really nice job his first appearance in what episode six 
of the series uh, was straight out of Sergio Leone's uh, like the good, the bad, and the ugly, even up to like the, the three-way, like, um, you know, the gunfight between uh, uh, what's his face, uh, Cobb Vanth and his deputy, you know, yeah. it's very, it's very much from like, you know, kind of like that climax of the good, the bad, the ugly and him having the, the, the way the hat like kind of sat very like, you know, man with no name, the Clint Eastwood character uh, from those movies. Um, I thought he looked cool. I, mm. I think they did a nice job from a design element. Uh, I just think that he should have been introduced a lot earlier uh, in the season. So pacing is, was very bad in the show. And yes. the problem also, Boba Fett's not compelling enough a character to carry his own show. He's just not. I mean, the show got better when you had Mando, who was essentially a Boba Fett clone when it was first introduced, uh, you know, a couple of years ago in his first season, who was much more compelling. I was like, yeah. I was like immediately invested when episode five goes. It's like, we're off Tatooine. We're not seeing fucking, you know, desert planets and desert towns anymore. We're on like this cool new environment. Like we get to see the more of the Mandalorian shit. We get to see the dark saber, you know, like all of that was just, I mean, the way that they converted like the, uh, the old Naboo fighter. I love that stuff. Yeah. Like, that mm -hmm. was so fucking, that was just a really great scene. Like that one episode almost redeemed the whole uh, season. It's, they even went down the pod racing path that Annie did. So that was really fun <laughs> to see. Well, one of the things I forgot to say that I liked about it was we learned that Amy Sedaris has had sex with Jawas. Yes. And so a good. different Jawa also. Baby, that's canon now. That is it, canon. It feels like she's and the I'm ultimate about to love world building. Like, it's just like, yes. they, like they're building more Star Wars lore off of her. That humans and Jawas can. She's the only. Part. She's the only character, real character we have in um, Mos Eisley now. Yeah. yeah. Everyone else is in Mos Espa now. One of the things I wish we had, I don't get distance from anything. And they're talking about the people of Freetown are coming, and like Bitch. you could be yeah. there for a fucking That's year accurate. to get there or forty-five minutes. Yeah, and I'm the always like, well, what about the other side of the planet? Yeah. Are they no one there? Yeah. How much I, spice I, they got? You know? I'd like to see some sort of map, or at least people literally talking about, you know, location. It, it the other issue, sorry. Okay, no. Based on, based on what I was just saying is, the last episode, well, Robert Rodriguez is, Robert Rodriguez is a shit director. They'd be like, oh, you'd think they killed all of the pikes, and then suddenly there's 85 more show up because they've just yeah. been standing somewhere else. I don't know. One person will fire one time. Those two fucking giant tank droids are constantly shooting nothing they're like missing everybody who literally running straight in front of them because no one can do a fuck dip to the side ever or do this like zigzag in order to get knocked a shot it's embarrassing um Learn what i was gonna say troopers. is one of my least favorite the, the whole freetown thing these people are waiting for like the cavalry to arrive and like the freetown people to come and save us they'll come and there are like 20 of them as if that's to do a eight. fucking goddamn thing eight of them and we got our shitty little robot people and then the whole plan of like you know like this is where those, the, the, what are those two green, large pig folks? Anyways, they got murdered. Gamorians, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're dead. Um, it, it, it was just so, it was, all of it was a bad, bad, stupid plan. The whole thing was bad and stupid. Kayla. Yes, Kaylin. Yeah, agreed with everything with what, with what Clark said. It's the, the scale seems so small in that final episode. It felt like, like a, a late 90s, early 2000s sci-fi show. Like, it's like they didn't have the budget to make it look great. 
And which is really sad because like some of the earlier episodes and, and then even the Mandalorian, like they've put some real money into the show to make it look mm. like the movies. Like, it's like, my gosh, you know, like they've done some really nice uh, special effects and it's mm-hmm. like the, the blocking and like the, the staging look really, really, really just very shoddy. Did, you could cheap. tell it was definitely limited to a TV budget instead of like a movie budget. You could definitely tell. It was tell. a set. It looked yeah. like a set. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, I mean, the, the Rancor stuff actually didn't look bad. Uh, I thought that actually yeah. worked out pretty well for the CGI, but it's still like, there, there's moments where like um, when Boba Fett gets knocked off the, the Rancor, it just looked, it just looked kind of awful. The thing I really wanted to say though, was I have a feeling that COVID, COVID is the reason why the show existed. And this really should have been the third season of the Mandalorian. Uh, yeah. And like, like all the interesting stuff that happened in episodes five and six was like basically the start of season three. And then like the, the Boba Fett stuff was going to be like maybe just a couple of episodes with Mando coming in to help out, you know, as a follow-up to whatever episode in season two that reintroduced Boba Fett into this world. Uh, I think, um, you know, some of the stuff that we talked about, like the, the staging, the blocking, the pacing, all that stuff seemed off because they had to like kind of like redo stuff very, very quickly. It seemed like I've even heard that like, um, you know, right around even before the finale of the uh, Mandalorian, that, um, you know, there were like people who worked on the staff of the show didn't realize like the next season was going to be the book of Boba Fett. And like yeah. uh, John Favreau, like after, uh, uh, you know, where like they did the, the stinger at the end of season two of Mandalorian, he went on like some talk show and even said that, hey, um, no, this is actually going to be like the next season. And people were like, oh, OK, that's yeah. kind of surprising. So it felt very like slapdash, very like put together, like half put together. I mean, there's things about it I like like at star wars in some ways and it feels kind of good but there's it it just feels like a like just a, a really it just feels like a missed opportunity for me the i mean it, yeah it does seem kind of like chopped together and i can see what you're saying Kaylin. um for them to have those mando beats in there where grogu literally comes back they see each other for the first time that's a big part of the entire Mandalorian. I guess it's the Mando verse basically. So I'm trying, I'm trying to just treat it like that way because everything is sort of related around that. But for these big beats, Luke comes back, he's building the Jedi temple. He's uh, we see R2 and Grogu and like we, there's such important things. This, the deep fakes get so much better this season. It's, it's crazy that this, um, so much has happened. Uh, if you're a fan of Mandalorian, you have to watch this show. And I think they knew that on some level. So I think they're purposely doing that. And I think all the series going forward, they're going to connect them in such crazy ways. I will just like to say, I did like seeing the scene of Ahsoka and uh, Luke interact. Because you never, I never thought I would actually see mm-hmm. that scene. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and kind of a bitchy thing for her to just go, you're just like your father. Well, he's a yeah. serial killer, but thank you. I appreciate that. You, bitch. you unaligned force member. Yeah, but I appreciate you. Um, yeah, I, it, it was so many big things. It's it's just season three of Mandalorian for me. You're like 2.5. 2.5. Sounds like, essentially. Um, we didn't really talk about this that much, but what did you guys think of the portrayal of Tusken Raiders and Boba sort of like dances with wolves experience with them. I, I mean, it's a 
I think it's it, exactly it, that. That's what it felt like. It felt like <laughs> that. It felt like the last samurai, just like I mean, obviously not this race, but like just like, you know, the white guy that shows up and like helps them and you know, they saves the day for them and he like helped him with, with stop all the fucking spice ship from killing them all. I mean, it was like why not ever. I like the idea of this is what grounded him to be a better person or whatever, because he was kind of shit before. But it just doesn't land hard enough where you believe it. So it does feel a little bit pandery. It's very, it, it like, I liked, like, them being fleshed out as just not being, like, villains are actually seen as, you know, indigenous people. But, like, the, the sort of the white man savior stuff, like, you know, that's, that's, like, you know, that's not part of their culture coming in. And learning from them is, is, is just a trope that I kind of don't mm-hmm. want to see anymore. Yeah, but the biggest issue I had, and again, this goes back to what we're saying. Were there like only eight Tuscan Raiders left yes. on Tatooine? Because that's like I was like, no, no, oh, they were they were they, saying well, they, there's they, a bunch they, of different tribes. They, they said this was like this is the only tribe that's not garbage. They basically said the other ones are much more warlike or something. Yeah. So oh, Anakin okay. was justified in killing all. But those there's still <laughs> only like eight to twelve of them, and one's a stupid child we just suffer through. Well, yeah, I gotta save tough. up more and more Tatooine to show because that's the only fucking planet in a giant galaxy far, mm-hmm. far away. <laughs> I honestly, I honestly thought that when he went to get reinforcements, I like forgot about the Rancor for a second. Uh, yeah. I thought he was going to get more Tuscan Raiders to like, come and help him. Like he somehow like had been convened with him. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a great way to tie back to the the early part of the season. But nope, nope, nope. We got <laughs> they're dead. Giant fucking Rancor. Don't worry about them. They're dead. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that closes the book. Clark? Oh, you're announce me. Okay. So, this is me having a newsflash. Oscar nominations came out Tuesday, and they were all kind of okay. Number one was Power of the Dog with 12 nominations, and then Dune got 10. What do we think about those? What do we think about the movies, first off? Has anyone seen any of the other movies at all? I have, I know that Power of the Dog is on Netflix, and I probably yeah, it, could watch it based on the I'm going to get into that. My favorite thing about this whole thing is that Lady Gaga was not nominated. House yeah, of Gucci was only that. nominated for for um like hair and makeup. If, if that's that, all if, it deserved, based on Kaylin, the commercials, yeah, if she had gotten nominated, I would have said the Oscars is dead. Even though I my roommate my, my roommate said that she does an amazing Russian accent. And then for an Italian movie. Caitlin, <laughs> uh, you had no, your just, finger up. Yeah, I just, I would have given her the nomination just for the memes that were created after the, the movie came out. Yes. Uh, but so I was, I was, oh, uh, okay. the, my, my, I'm going to miss that in a second. So there was like this huge rivalry between Kristen Stewart fans and Gaga fans, and they were all screaming each other on social media for like two months, what? like literally just raging against each other. And I didn't realize that I, I don't like either one of them, but I was secretly supporting Kristen Stewart fans, even though I don't care about her, just because the Gaga fans are nightmares. So, I'm happy. Kaylin, what do you think about the visual effects that Dune, Shang-Chi, Spider-Man, and two other movies I don't care to think about um, got nominated, but... I thought I thought Etern- like Eternal's not getting a nomination for visual effects or any kind of art direction or anything like that. Is it just kind of a snub? Like, it was yeah. a beautiful movie. Like, whether you liked it or didn't, and, you know, we all really, really liked it or loved it. Like, it just feels weird that, like, it, like, I know there's a ton of superhero movies that came out last year, and, like, Spider-Man was the one that, like, everybody, like, went nuts over at the end of the year because it was such a crowd pleaser. But, like, I really wish um, Eternals had gotten some kind of a nomination. 
And I wish French Dispatch, the Wes Anderson movie, did because that was probably one of my favorite movies last it year. Got nothing. It got zero things. Not like usually his movies get like best like original or adapted screenplay, yeah. or they get like like you know, costume design, yeah, art direction, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, this is a beautiful looking movie. It is absolutely stunning, and like the fact that it got nothing, like is like okay. And I mean, I'm pretty sure West Side Story is going to win. Um, just because yeah. even though it didn't do very well in box office, I think it's just one of those movies that's like completely made for Hollywood. It's like I'm, a beloved director, you know, reprising a beloved, you know, musical. Yeah. And people, it actually got okay reviews. It got pretty good reviews. Like I'm sure it's, like it. it's perfectly fine. It's it's inoffensive, but you know, it just seems like I don't know what else. Maybe Power of the Dog could win. Doom that's the other one. Yeah. Win. I will not win. I will Sorry. Yes, you saw what? what Nightmare we got Alley. Some... You yeah, saw yeah. Nightmare Alley. What do you think of it? Uh, thank you so much. Um, and also Eyes of Tammy Faye. And I can honestly say I felt nothing from these movies at all. It's like the performances, I guess, were good. But I'm like, we're just at a place where like maybe we see these movies and it's such it's such bait to try to like yeah. win an award that mm-hmm. it feels so pandery now. Like I'm like. You're not even doing good. You're like overacting because you're trying to act so much. It's, it's yeah. there's something weird. Like there's just a vibe about these that you're just like, I don't care anymore. Adam. I, yeah. I was going to say, I could definitely see Nightmare Alley and it's such a pandering movie. I could, I could easily see it probably win for some level of like costume makeup, whatever. It was a pretty movie. And it was also like, it looked nice. But God, was it very empty inside. I was like, mm-hmm. this is why you don't keep remaking movies from the fucking 1940s, because all it was was a fresh coat of paint. And I was just like, and it, it felt like it was trying to recapture the magic of like uh, the shape of water in many ways. Mm-hmm. And it just like, well, in terms of like visual design and also the old school affectation. But yeah, like every, it did get much better when Kate Blanchett walked on stage. She probably should have got on stage. She was in a play. But she should have got, I hope she got fucking something. She probably didn't. But like, she was no. the only reason that movie was any good. Because she, she always should have been the early. greatest Kate Blanchett. Yeah. No, Kristen Stewart had to win. She couldn't, she couldn't get nominated. <laughs> and that's for, is that for, is that for fucking Diana? Did she play, did she play Diana? Yeah, Spencer. That's no, it's, it's for Charlie's Angels. Actually. Yeah, I was going to yes. say, no, it's for Twilight. It's, it's retroactive from like, you know, 12 years ago when she oh did Twilight God. New Moon, not the original. Uh, uh, what you were end? saying, Ryan, whenever, uh, December comes around. I'm like, these movies are. There's also be wanking themselves off yes. movies and how amazing yeah. and artsy and wonderful they are. As you said, like the acting is just going to be fucking nonsense, like free for all. This is how amazing I am. Some of them are like, what's call it? What's this fuck from Power of the Dog? What's his name? Ch- Chigglebump. What's his name? The one who's Benedict Doctor Strange. Doctor yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch. Chigglebump. Um, <laughs> his name is not Chigglebump. It's Benedict Chigglebump. Um, he. he you hear that? He, for for power of the dog, he went so method because so he smoked like thirty cigarettes in a day or something and gave himself nicotine poisoning multiple times because he wanted yes. to be like the character. He kept telling Jesse Plemons like fat boy and all this stuff because his character would do that. And Jesse Plemons was like furious until finally the show <laughs> was over and so. he was actually nice to him. That's so dumb. I mean, he actually learned magic and learned about the existence of the multiverse. He, he really is a method actor. Um, what do you guys think about the animated series uh, nominations? Because I think those are pretty strong. They're very strong. I was going to bring up, yeah. I just on Tuesday saw the movie Flea, 
which is a Danish movie about it. It's a do- animated documentary in Danish about an Afghani refugee, gay Afghani refugee and his struggles to get to Western Europe. It's oh. fucking phenomenal. And it got nominations for documentary, um, best um, animated film and foreign language. So basically what you need to do is do an, a foreign language art film and you'll get a documentary and you'll just get all three it's just <laughs> nice. an easy check check right. check new um, it's very good obviously Encanto is really good i love luca and i don't fucking remember the other two right Encanto. now because i didn't write it down but it's seen- oh whoa whoa whoa, whoa. the, the mitchells versus the machines and i don't know the fifth one Araya and the dragon ryan the dragon Raya. yeah yeah ryan ryan and the dragon and ryan and the dragon tattoo ryan have you seen that it, movie if you anyway yeah. so it's written off my life I'm just looking at all the stuff we have. So I'm going to say locations. So Coda and the Tragedy of Macbeth are on Apple Plus, being the Ricardos, which is garbage. Coming to America, Ascension are on Amazon Prime. Nightmare Alley and the Eyes of Tammy Faye, both of the ones you didn't like, are on HBO Max and Hulu. Spencer <laughs> Don't subscribe. And Attica, yeah. Spencer and Attica are on Hulu. Some of these are documentaries I'm mentioning. Uh, Summer of Soul is on Hulu and Disney Plus. Luca, Encanto, and Raya and the Dragon and Cruella are on Disney Plus. And finally, the millions that are on Netflix are The Lost Daughter, Power of the Dog, Mitchells vs. Machines, The Hand of God, Don't Look Up, Tick, Tick, Boom, are all on Netflix. And those are, I don't know where the short films and stuff are. There's a lot of ones still in theaters, like Flea's only in theaters right now, and it's fucking great. Adam, your finger. Yeah, is it like, so looking at this list, is it that like, as I get older, or do you guys feel like as you get older, you just stop? caring more and more about the odds because like i look at this list and they all seem like at least obviously decent and above movies but like none of these speak to anything that i'm like wow i'm captivated i gotta go watch uh, that. i would say the opposite actually i think older people tend to love these nominations and as we go further in society we kind of fucking don't care about these nominations anymore because we're like that's I not think- how the world works anymore for me it was um it's the pandemic that made me like less enthused about the oscars because i mean in the last year i started going back to the theater but you know the year before i definitely didn't and it just made last year's oscars feel kind of weird and you know i try to watch a bunch of them on streaming and like there was some great stuff like nomadland the one that won i thought was phenomenal but it's just it's a different experience watching you know, what's an Oscar film or an art house film at home versus going to, you know, like East Street Theater in in DC or like, I need the shitty small art house Mm -hmm. theater with a really uncomfortable seats, you know, and somebody offering me a segment of an apple, Um, you know, like that. (laughs) What? I, uh, it's it's a Simpsons reference. Um, uh, But I, I like, I need that experience to really like feel like, like I'm watching like an art house film. Um, But I think, you know, once, Hopefully we kind of get out of it by next year's Oscars. I'll be enthusiastic again. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, that's sure. part of the problem is, as you're saying, like I watch The Lost Daughter and got bored, fast forwarded 10 minutes, and then watched some more. <laughs> and then, I mean, I can, as I, I just said, all those movies, 90% of them were on streaming as they were on the movies or not mm. even ever in the movie theater at all, except for maybe three times in fucking LA. But yeah. It's not really a movie experience anymore. It's just like a, an accidental long eleva- uh, long episode of a television show. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's do comics now. So Secret Invasion is coming back as a five-issue miniseries 
It's written by Ryan North, who wrote Squirrel Girl, and illustrated by Francesco Mobili, who just did Secret X-Men, which we are going to talk about soon. Queen Varenke, returns to, who returned in Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Woman last month, is back and being a complete bitch, I'm assuming. Maria Hill, Nick Fury, and Tony Stark are going to play Spy Time and hunt for some scrolls. Seemingly, Maria Hill is going to be the main character. We're going to get m- not much Avenger versus Avenger, but we're going to get a bit. And uh, Brian North said, "More. it's more of an exploration of how even the best, most funded systems can still fail under unexpected load and because of basic human nature. Doesn't that sound fun and funny? I can't I imagine why they're putting this comic together at <laughs> all. I, I just, I wish there was context clues. Um, wow. Yes. Just make a movie that's exactly the TV show, apparently. That's exactly what's happening right now. Yeah. I mean, um, the first, that, the first one, the first one is a secret invasion. Is it so secret the second time? So shouldn't you be expecting it? Yeah. Um, I was only laughing because that quote, uh, uh, more of an explanation of how the most best fun system could fail. It just sounds like someone got butt implants and then they still pooped when they were having anal sex. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What? I don't know where it's because of, it's because of unexpected load. I see. No, uh-uh, no, I'm sorry. We're moving <laughs> and past because of And because of basic human nature. <laughs> I'm sorry, that really works. I had to say something. Really <laughs> That's so me. stupid. Did you have to say something? I don't think you yeah. did. That's Thank what you. people are tuning in for. <laughs> Thank you for being brave and honest, Adam. That's what we need on this. Jesus podcast. Christ! It's more like a, it's a secretes invasion. It's secreting. <laughs> sorry, uh, I'm not excited right. about this. Go on. No other. Okay, another and another unexpected satisfying um comic news new savage avengers is coming out written by david tepos and uh carlo mango is the artist and he did uh the kang the conqueror miniseries that i read part of which was fine art was nice though um the awful team is made out of of black knight cloak and dagger daredevil the elective version conan the barbarian anti-venom which is flash thompson one i actually give a shit about well black knight and weapon h our least favorite comic character we ever read in our time Ooh. on homo superior and they're going against deathlock best character of all time <laughs> is there anything good about this I the team to... is good no okay don't the take things you want to take back half no. the team is good black, knight, black... and dagger and the Electra Daredevil is very, I like Anti-Venom. her a lot as Daredevil. And Anti Venom's fine. Yeah, it's, that's about it. You know, I, mean, really... I get excited. A lot of these teams, like they they pop up and like throughout the years, I'm just always so excited to see such a weird group of people coming together. This one doesn't um, spark joy uh, for some reason. I don't know why. This feels like the team they put together that Blade ran that we read a couple of issues of a couple, like one or two, like two at this point, like Strike two, Force. Strike yeah, Force. Like Strike, that's, yeah, like that's it reminds me of the Strike Force team where, like, to your point, it's a bunch of oh. random, interesting characters, but I bet they're all going to be wrote, written pretty generically or like just like a regular kind of team up book where everyone's just sort of like punchy one liners, but no one really sounds like who they're supposed to be. And it just feels like it's plotting instead of a true like move forward for any of these people yeah i don't really know david pepos he hasn't written for marvel yet so that's probably why and only one scout comic which i didn't read either mm. it's good. Um, i am upset because cy spurrier is not going to be involved in writing 
Black Knight anymore. Yeah. The Black Knights, I should say, if they're in this yeah. messed up piece of shit. Especially because Jax is, is a mutant, and I would love to have seen her, you know, oh, join yeah. Legion of X, which we'll talk about in a second. Ugh, this is dumb and I'm mad. All right. <laughs> and, and other things, which I don't know if it's good, and I love to say this, end of the podcast, Steve Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> We love you, Steve. Come back whenever, on Whenever, whenever. It's going to happen every time. It's bringing back Marvel 29 for its 30th, 2099 for its 30th anniversary with the Spider-Man 2099 miniseries and including old as well as new characters like Spider-Man 2099, Loki 2099, <laughs> Ghost Rider 19, no, 1999, I wrote, 2099 and some X-Men 2099, 2099 that are... I'm, I'm going to say... Wait, we, we can assume character. it's the same year. It's 2099, I should say it that slow. It's $20.99, <laughs> $20. get it right. All right, anyways, the first issue is called Spider-Man 2099, Alpha or something, and there's also an Exodus one titled that. <laughs> are we excited? <laughs> to, are we excited for our friend Steve's um comic? Am I excited for Marvel 2099 featuring Spider Man 2099 and X Men 2099? <laughs> you bet I 2099 am. Um, yeah, I mean, I about- yes, yeah, go ahead, Adam. Steve, Sorry, Steve's great, so definitely want to give it a read. Um, I I have a fond place in my heart for these characters, even though I never fully read their comics or were that invested. I was just like, ooh, these are cool designs when I was five. So I'm just gonna keep up that energy and buy this thing and watch it. I think it's good, but oh, again, hopefully it actually adds value. It isn't just the sort of like nostalgic uh, dopamine trip that then you could just throw away after you finish reading it. Well, I will say this, um, Steve, friend of pod, Steve Orlando is, uh, he is a 90s kid. He grew up like reading the stuff in the same way that I did and a few a few of us did as well. And like I do sometimes worry that it would be like that nostalgia kick uh without like it being a compelling enough story, but I love Miguel O'Hara. I think Spider-Man mm-hmm. 399 is a phenomenal character. He's got one of yeah. the coolest character designs in the last 30 years for sure. Um and so I'm interested. I don't know what a Winter Soldier 2099 would look like and why they would have one, but unless it's it's just it's actually Bucky and he just survived that long because you know his cyborg whatever like kept him alive. Um, but yeah, I mean you know I liked a lot of those 2099 books back in the day, so it could be yeah. fun. So the general logline is that a, a celestial dies and falls to Earth, and where he falls becomes an oasis, as opposed to like the world that is some like weird techno hell hole so i don't know i don't know what's gonna happen there but I let's give it a read that sounds fight fun. over something lovely and destroy it probably all right speaking of size Spurrier from earlier he's introducing a new grayish character in legion of x and she's bright red she's mother righteous an astral plane living gift giving not quite hero not quite villain and as he says why is mother righteous <laughs> um Shut Why up. not? First yeah. and foremost, awesome. shut up. Awesome. I think we yeah. should say it like Mother Righteous. I think I um she looks killer. I'm super excited for that. She's sort of giving me like grown-up Ruby vibes. Mm. Doesn't I she sort so of look too. like that? Um she it's re- she looks really cool. I, I'm really into this character. I don't I, I like that. I think especially with the X-Men now, you can't create a character that's just a villain. That just doesn't work in this day and age. 
So the fact that she's going to be morally like whatever on the cusp, I think that's essential for the X-Men just in general. And just, I think all comic book uh, people in general have to be on that weird cusp. Um, But this design, bitch, work. You're the winner of this week's challenge. It's drag race. Yeah, like, let's just call it like it is. It's fucking drag race. It looks Yeah, she looks great. We we stand we stand a bad bitch in a white suit, right? Like I mean, Emma Frost, Magneto, uh, even though he's going back to the purple and red, uh, and now Mother Righteous. And I liked uh, well, one Jamie McKelvey did a great job of designing uh, it. So props to Jamie McKelvey, phenomenal artist. Uh, I also like uh, in the interview that Sly Spurrier did um, that uh, you know he said that she's come in to help Legion get away from the shadow of Professor X. So I'm very very interested in what that means specifically. And I'm, I'm hoping, um, you know, Wave X, I think had a strong start and I think it got kind of messy towards its end. I'm hoping that like this, like Legion of X is a little bit more like, of a, I don't know, streamline is maybe not the right word, a uh, little bit like has a little bit more of like uh, a, a raison d'etre versus that kind of like, you know, sprawling whatever that uh, Spurrier came up with for, for Wave X. And I don't know, I'm excited. Okay, one more comic-related one. Um, the Thunderbolts are going to be coming back in May. Um, yesterday, and I'm saying that yesterday because you guys are listening from the future, Marvel released a teaser for a new Thunderbolt series with six silhouettes of individuals, three male presenting and three female presenting, and above it, the tagline, not the usual justice like lightning. This time there are four words. The first two censored, first starting with R, and the third and fourth, again, are still like lightning. Who do you think these six characters are and what the hell do you think these words are Kalen? I hope you know like in the original Thunderbolts where you they were all new characters and it was revealed at the end of the first issue they were the masters of evil I hope there's like they're quote-unquote new characters and you get that reveal at the end and they can keep it under wraps you know which is going to be really tough in this day and age of the internets and social media and TikToks and whatnot um, but I think it would be cool if they flipped the script a little bit is that they are villains uh, at, at the outset and then the, you find out they're actually heroes in disguise. Mm-hmm. I am 99% certain that the second one is America Chavez because she has exact same hair, exact same mm-hmm. costume, exact same shape of everything. So I don't think that's the case. I mean, if, if it is not her, but I, I think it's her. And meanwhile, on the far right, the sixth, the guy, he has the same gun on his holster. He's got the same coat. He's got the same boots as um, Union Jack. I don't know mm. if that's going to be him, but it's literally the first second I saw him, I was like, that's Union Jack. The other one is, it, it, so those, I mean, they're not might the case, but they look exactly like their silhouettes. Brian. Um, when, when they say it's something like, something like, like, I'm always like, it's like thunder. It's like lightning. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's not just a reboot of that song. Maybe up. Uh, with that said, because I'm jaded from the Secret Invasion series that's coming out, and everything's so MCU related. I feel like whatever the team is going to be, this is the team that's potentially going to show up in the MCU. So I'm guessing like, I don't know, US agent. I'm guessing Black Widow. I'm guessing like all of those characters that are probably going to be the Thunderbolts uh, at some point. Yeah, I can see just, Elena for sure. Yeah, it, see, it feels like a precursor to that. Um, even Ghost, maybe Ghost outside of the outfit or whatever. Uh, I don't know. That that's me jaded. I hope it's I hope it's what you guys suggested though, because that sounds way more interesting. Well, so, so I actually oh, go ahead, Kayla. Uh, I don't 
we've speculated that they'll be called the Thunderbolts in the MCU. I, I don't think we've gotten any kind of like confirmation mm-hmm. that's what they're going to be called. I think they Dark may Avengers. just be like the Dark Avengers. I think they just might be the Avengers. Like like uh, Valentina just usurps that name uh, instead of like coming up with a whole new name. I don't know. Or maybe they, they end up becoming like the Thunderbolts as like this other team when they bring back the, the real Avengers, so to speak. But uh, I hope it's not so uh, synerg- synergistic as like what happens with the MCU. Adam? I was going to say, who's ever on the far left of the image looks like they're trapped in the 90s because they've got like, MC Hammer-esque pants, these like giant gloves, and what looks like Namor feet, but I know it's not Namor. It's it well, you're very he's very bold legged too. Like maybe that's like he rides a horse at some point. Whoever <laughs> Yeah, well that I he's that's a really good like, is it is it maybe like a horse per is there a horse person besides that um inhuman? Because I was like, it, a, like his legs do look a, fucked up. But it's a person who you think it look is actually a horse. No, I just meant like, is there someone whose lower half is a horse that isn't the guy from the Inhumans? Oh, you mean Marvel? You mean Marvel horse? He was big in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyways, these are news flashy news flashes. So Sony's working on casting the upcoming Craven movie, and supposedly Rus- Russell Crowe is going to be involved. They've not yet said it's he's playing Craven, but he's supposed to be in it. Um. So are you ready for some shitty Australian asshole playing a Russian game hunter? Oh. Uh, Craven should be introduced in a Spider-Man movie, not his solo movie. He should be a bad guy. Yep. All right. Hey, Futurama's coming back. We excited? Yes. Good news, everyone. It's on Hulu. Okay, we're done. Adam, what are the (laughs) comics about? All right. The issues is our weekly recap of all things X, along with a few of our favorite Marvel House writers and characters. This week, we're talking The Secret X-Men number one, X Deaths of Wolverine number two, and New Mutants number 24. Uh, first up, Secret X-Men number one, written by Teeny Howard and uh, author, artist Francesco uh, Mobili. The losers of the Hellfire Gala form a team under the co-leadership of Sunspot and Cannonball to track down Zandra, who's caught between Deathbird, the Shi'ar Guard, and the 3D. Uh, what do you guys think of this? Uh, it is a one-shot issue, yes? It <laughs> yep. is, yeah. What do you guys think, Kalen? This represented to me the best and the worst of Teeny Howard's writing. Um, I, I was immediately hooked with the, 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 the opener with the sunspot basically yeah. in, at Carnival, you know, at Chandelier. I'm like, clearly that's what that was. And like, I love, I think Teeny did a really nice job of almost kind of aping the Hickman-esque voice that he gave Roberto. Uh, uh, and I like the banter between him and sunspot. I think it's a, like a funny idea that he wanted to bring this team together because they all like got like drunk and hung over after not winning the, uh, you know, joining the X-Men contest that they did during the Hellfire Gala. But the plot, I was like, wait, what is happening? Because it's like <laughs> Deathbird, Deathbird hired him and his X-Men, and then the Imperial Guard have their own thing. And then Zandra at the very end goes, I can't tell them. These are my secret X-Men. I was like, yeah. what was the point of all of this? I, like, I liked a lot of the scenes, but... It never came together for me. The the, the second half was nonsense. Yeah, the Zandra being the, the what what the fuck was that infographic page where you had to like do the puzzle and find out it was allies was the word. I so assume that's stupid. Wordle. Is that what Wordle is right there? <laughs> that's just, Wordle. Yeah, that's the New so York mad. Times Wordle. New York Times after they uh, got Wordle. I guess this is going to end up some of this not will, will be in 
X-Men Red, but that's just going to be sure. the Sunspot, Xander, whatever. And I, I don't fucking know what this yeah, was. Yeah, it seems like a delete-in for a- that, for sure. Excellent, excellent characterization, and that's it. Yeah, I was excited for, like, Sunspot and Cannonball in the very beginning, and then it just sort of spun out of control and went nowhere. Um, I would just like to say, let's keep these X-Men a secret, because it's, I don't, I don't care at all. <laughs> I mean, I like the team together. It's a, I think cute, it's a, it's a very cute team. Like, to your point of what we were talking about earlier, this is the random combination of people that makes me interested in wanting to read it. Only because like they themselves are all individually quite interesting and they all have their own little um, ongoing relationships. I mean, just uh, really Sunspot and Cannonball's relationship carries the issue and probably yeah. anytime this team comes back. But I, I do think they all add a little bit of flavor. There's almost too many of them because they're all just like, yeah, yeah. You do this now. Mara, watch out. Armor, I'm going over here. Like, it's yeah. like all they kept doing was yeah. shouting at each other's names and doing so. They're the, they're the homo superior of X Men teams, is what you're saying. There's too many of them. Yeah, yeah. Strong Guy, Tempo, Armor, all could have gone without doing anything. There were quite a few like that. Um, I was... I've, I've never thought about Sunspot and Banshee fucking before, but now, now that am. he said how hot Banshee was. Yeah. My sexual burden. Oh, I have a, I have a positive. I really like their outfits. I thought they. Oh all yeah, great. good yeah. outfits. Yeah, that was nice that design. Was I thought the art was nice. Francisco Mobili yeah. did a nice Oh, the job. art was beautiful. Yeah, when they all showed up for the very first time and they were all like posing, I thought that was really cool. I just figured out the best. Uh, we have to get. I guess it's eight of them. Get eight people together to go to a comic con. We all get those outfits designed, and then we all just wear like bags over our head with giant question marks on them because we're the secret x-men uh, no. let's just all show up as boom boom instead <laughs> um, yeah. i mean we'll we'll teeny howard we have that great roller coaster relationship with you it sounds like you nailed the characters but that story made no fucking sense <laughs> <laughs> and then what's her name just teleported they're just like oh yeah now she's gone because they put someone got this 3d more money i was like <laughs> what the fuck is happening <laughs> It, it seemed like parts were cut out of the issue. Like I was like, it felt like it was just like jumping around that I kept missing like a commercial break or something. I mean, it, like... it, it, it's going to have to deal with X-Men Red and the fact that, um, whatchamacallit, who the fuck's the other Summer's brother? Anyways, he's coming back. Oh, and he, he, yeah. and both, both he, both Sunspot and him have both fucked Death Bird and that's going to all become a thing over there. Yeah. Anyways, what's going on the 10? What's the 10 about? 10 Deaths of Wolverine, number two. Writer Benjamin Percy and artist Federico Vincentini. Moira B. staying on the run, losing a hand in the process. That's all that happened. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wasn't there a Wolverine? um, Yeah, then there's Phalanx Wolverine out there. Let's talk about That's the most interesting thing for me. Like, as much as I've just lost interest as Logan as Wolverine as a character... Uh, bringing the phalanx back and you know we, we kind of predicted it when we saw the design uh, you know in the previews but like them explicitly saying the phalanx I was like okay this is the kind of shit that was brought up during Hotspox that I wanted to see show up again yeah. and I think that's kind of neat like how he's got his own mission by some you know unseen you know antagonist assumingly uh, that's like basically the phalanx sending that version of the Wolverine back into our present, his past, you know, whereas like, you know, our Logan is going back in the past to try to do good things. Like that intersection of those two storylines, I'm like, I'm, I'm intrigued, uh, you know, and like Moira is a bad person, but um, I want to see more of her. I think, I think, you know, I'm, I'm interested. I want to see 
like where her like sort of um, born supremacy esque like adventures <laughs> take her. Right. Yeah. Uh, for them to pretend that Wolverine is the main character in this is quite preposterous. <laughs> like it's just um, this is the Lord of Book that never came to be. It's so clear. Um, it should just be they should compare it and just say Moira instead, but that's not going to sell as well. We know. But uh, with that said, I'm hoping that we find out that she's not in fact depowered, but she has the mutant ability to constantly cut her arm off. Because I think <laughs> she's working on that because she's already two in. She's still doing okay. So oh I think that's God. maybe going to come down the pipeline. So do we, who, who what Wolverine do we think this is? He do we, do we think, like what the, who is it? Yeah. I was thinking, well, what the hell happens in Hawksbox when Wolverine ninth version kills her ninth version or oh that's the apocalypse one um and then everything it just goes the timeline goes away the sixth yeah, one but, is one when, when like where they have like the like it's like the, the world mission. mind takes over yeah, yeah but what happens with him, yeah. so there is any phalanx stuff involved in that at all not in that one it was oh. phalanx stuff was in the sixth life of Moira okay I was just Good trying memory. to think. So maybe that's he's from the sixth. I don't know. I was trying to think because we have the ninth version of um of Karima of Omega Sentinel. I didn't know if we could get his ninth version as well. I don't know what happened at all. But the I, fact yeah, that he they're... is the one to kill her in that version, obviously they're gonna they're gonna be the ones to Alive. duel each other instead of yeah. Mystique yeah. being there. Yeah, Ooh, very likely. But then Mystique will end up saving Moira for some reason. Dusty's going to be like, I've seen it. You've got to change this or whatever. Do us like Machina. Okay. I'm in. I'm What's New up. Mutants about? New Mutants about 24, Rita Vidaella and artist Danilio Beirut. Should have learned that. It's a New Moon epilogue and lots of stuff happens. Uh, Thunderbird meets up with Warpath. You got magic, thinking about teaching magic to people. Everybody's forgiving Amal and a lot of a lot of like uh, some ladies in love. It was really that was like a nice experience. Clark, what'd you think? Who was that woman that Karma was making out with? She was introduced in the Pride uh, one shot last year, like during they met during the Hellfire Gala. And Magic was like, hey, go talk to her. Yeah. Like, and they flirted. And she's she's I think she might be the first Filipino mutant introduced. Because she's mm-hmm. speaking when she speaks in the language, it's it's. I think it's Tagalog. Uh, Is Wave yeah, so. Tagalog. a mutant? Yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, that, that wasn't Wave. That way, who? Who? Okay. I thought what 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 Marvel characters Wave? Is she a mutant or not? Wait, which character again, Clark? I'm sorry. Wave. Wave. Anyways, yes. What I was saying, no, she has elemental water powers. Anyways, doesn't matter. Um. There are too many storylines that got literally a page and a half worth of development. <laughs> this whole I I am so happy I've dropped it's it's, I, it's unreadable to me. I have never I haven't read a magic written so poorly in I don't know how long. This has been a magic. I I'm don't want to read the next three issues. I'm not buying them, but um, that's because it's going to be magic centric, and I don't think she's written well at all. The fact that we had Madeline Pryor and Havoc sitting quietly moping and that was the entire after hellions ended that's what we're gonna get 
with the they're just them. trying to cram a bunch of stuff. Yeah, they're together. cramming stuff so yeah. that we can go on to something else. But we're like just throwing all that stuff aside from Hellions just for this wandering. It all felt stupid. The fact we got that random girl hugging and kissing, and they they weren't even in the comic. Oh, it's the whole thing felt silly. Keelan, it's Kalen. Thank you very much. You've known me for eight years, <laughs> ten years actually. Um, I think. Clark, you have a point that there are too many characters in this book and an issue like this that's supposed to be like a breather issue between major storylines should feel like a breather, but it felt too crammed. With that said, um, you know, one, I liked a lot of the interactions. I think there were some really good emotional payoffs. Um, I think some of the writing was a little on the nose. It felt oddly very Claremontian. I think mm-hmm. Vita was going for that where mm-hmm. when Claremont would write stuff, it would be like, there, it'd be all text and no subtext. And so I think there was a lot of just sort of text happening, but it still made me like, it, it put a smile on my face. I think the Cosmar stuff worked really well as like a, a analogy for, uh, you know, people who, um, you know, have body dysmorphia and are transi- uh, and are, you know, may want to transition. They feel uncomfortable in their body because Cosmar, you know, wanted to go through the crucible you know, obviously, uh, Mirage said no. Uh, and but you know, they're gonna have Mask of the Morlocks like help her out, and she's still mm. scared about that because it's like I'm so used to this that like I don't know what what next is you know coming up. Like the introduction of Sarabella, I thought was actually a nice yeah. touch uh, with you know of no girl's uh, body. Johansson, no girl's body. I thought that was well handled. Um, you know, I liked Magic wanting to set up this like school. Uh, for magic, for magicians, for sorcerers and sorceresses, uh, it feels like an extension of like what uh, Apocalypse wanted to do, and mm-hmm. you know, it made me wonder why she was never part of Excalibur. Like, I think mm-hmm. it would have made sense if they had included her in Excalibur. It's not a perfect book, uh, but I think uh, Vita is like carrying the load for a lot of queer representation. In the X books, obviously, Steve's gonna be writing marauders regularly and i think he'll be doing a lot of that as well so We're getting at least um, four queer char- characters in and uh, knights of x too that's true so yeah so i mean the x books have never been this queer which is great um so i i think i think it was it wasn't perfect but it had some nice moments and yeah. i just got to tell you seeing like the reactions from like queer fans on x twitter like people were like they felt emotional about this book and i I, and i i don't think we can take that away from them you know even though like i think some of the pacing stuff is a little bit off and i think there's too many characters yeah i mean the characters weren't even in if they weren't in the new mutants book the last 20 issues don't include them (laughs) we don't need havoc and we don't need that shit we didn't need richter why is richter in there why is she randomly talking to richter they aren't fucking friends in the first place because of magic magic that's what i'm saying yeah it was a lot of means to an ending, but I think that the overall, yeah, the, the, what is that called? The, the intent was exactly spot on. And I think overall had this made just like we did with like Marauders and a few other, these books, like there's a lot of rush to the finish line that I think if they had had, like they'd spent too much time wrapping up some of their last storylines or creating new ones like we had with Marauders versus just like actually wrapping us up. Cause I do agree, Caleb, what I enjoyed about this issue Granted, it was like obviously a pass through issue, but like there was like emotional action, if you will, like rather than like action action. There wasn't anything they had to do. So I, I did really like that element. I just, yeah, ha- this 
it's funny that for every single one of these, we're just like, I just wish I had more time to breathe is really the main like takeaway for so many of these uh, wrap ups. And I actually, I actually want the book to be this, but yeah. give these mm-hmm. scenes more time because as we said before, Vita does a great job with characterization. It's just the rising action just never really comes together. Yeah. It's almost like they are better off writing like slice of life you know, more like, like hangout kind of books versus the kind of action adventure stuff, you know, and we don't, you know, like, there's like 10 X books, you know, and yeah. not all of them need to be action adventure. Like, I think that this can be about these relationships uh, of people on Krakoa and, you know, New Mutants may not be the right name for the book, but it's just because the characters are legacy characters. And that's why it's called that. So it, it's just that they want to write these hugely emotional beats that aren't deserved for this book. Yeah, there's no reason why the two Thunderbirds should have met here and and done that when when they haven't written that one character that needed to be in the Thunderbird one shot. All the da da da. It's it's like they were desperate to like do this. This is more important for me to have done it than anybody else. I'm only spending five three panels on it. It's it's I don't know. It's very. Well, I think I think it was the attempt uh, to give closure to all of the characters. Like I mean, it's like watching. Yeah. It's for like the writer that writing. didn't that wasn't the one who needed to write it well what makes me what probably is too bad is like for even for warpath's journey in this book it could have been far more about them finally reaching that like teaching moment which i really did enjoy reading warpath's like little journals the whole time so yeah. i think there i don't who knows there might have been studio notes of like yeah you got to tie these all together because this person just came back and it was like to your point i think there was a couple more emotional beats that could have stuck for these characters that had nothing to do with what their next storyline would be kind of thing. Um, let's wrap up with yeah. X-Men Unlimited. I didn't so, read this, but Kaylin and Clark, you did. Yeah, so so Juggernaut and Deadpool have to go up against the super adaptoid. And first they're trying to get some Rubbermaid, the uh, um, new X-Men character, out of jail. And then a whole shit happens and they go to Utopia. Not Utopia. God, I'm still stuck on that. Krakoa. <laughs> and Krakoa itself just wants to fucking throw juggernaut off the goddamn cliff they keep beating him up and throwing him in the ground and all this kind of stuff because he's not a mutant and then they stop the super adaptoid because deadpool gives him cancer if he explodes <laughs> <laughs> yeah and this is totally just going to be this is the spinoff because deadpool's going to be wolverine and juggernaut's going to be in legion of x kaylin so uh, it was written by Fabian Ucieza and illustrated by Matt Horak. Uh, Fabian Ucieza also wrote Cable and Deadpool in the 2000s. And this kind of gave me that feel of like these two characters that are, you know, kind of opposites, like this, you know, very like, you know, straight man and like the, you know, loony, like comedic sidekick, you know, or partner going back and forth. Um, I mean, it was a fine, it, it's, you know, because we didn't buy this issue, it's just with Marvel Unlimited as part of our subscriptions. Um, I think it's it was perfectly it was perfectly enjoyable. Um, it wasn't offensive. I think is probably the most uh, charitable thing I can say about it. Um, and Fabian Nicieza like is probably my favorite of the '90s X Men writers uh, because I think he understands character dynamics really really well, and he can do. Um, not that kind of like Michael Brian Michael Bendis banter or even like a Brian K. Vaughn kind of banter. But I think he does a fine like kind of like, you know, serviceable like banter between characters. Um, yeah, I think it was enjoyable. I think the most interesting things uh, about it was uh, Kane Marco basically telling Professor X, you've let like Sinister and Mystique 
and uh, Exodus uh, and even Apocalypse on Krakoa, but you didn't let me on Krakoa? The fuck, you know? Like, yeah, I'm, you know, a bad guy, but I'm not that bad a guy. He's not a bad guy. He hasn't been a bad guy for 10 years. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's not that bad a guy. He... All right. Well, in comic <laughs> so, time, it's you been have... like 10 minutes. Yeah, right, 10, it's 10 minutes. minutes. Every I was recently reading about time, time, you know, the stretching timeline and the fact that like Inferno is supposed to take place like two weeks after the start of Krakoa. It's like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Even uh, though they're gonna have the anniversary year anniversary of the gala. So you just gotta go. This is this is what it means to be a comic fan for years, if not decades. You mm-hmm. just go with it. There's seventeen thousand Christmases and one in in a two year period. <laughs> uh anyway to wrap us up we've got plug me daddy where we each get a chance to quickly highlight something we've read seen heard experienced, and wanted to share with you our sweet beautiful pig bottom dick pigs kaylin do you want to start i'd be happy to so i think y'all have watched it and a lot of people have been talking about it online but i finally finished the first season of yellow jackets and i really enjoyed it you know it reminded me a lot of a independent or like image comic book that like all of a sudden people are like everybody's talking about like walking dead or saga or one of those uh that like people are like oh i can't wait for it to be adapted into this tv show well the tv show came first because it definitely has that kind of indie comic book feel to it uh it's and it because it's very high concept it's like very lost meets stephen king's it with uh you know some fun 90s nostalgia thrown in specifically the music they get the music they get they like having lived through the 90s they get the music so right mm-hmm. of like that mid 90s feel like between like 93 and like 96 which is 96 is when um the uh the soccer team uh like they get they crash into the Pacific northwest yeah basically oh, no, you mean in alive. the book i mean in the in, yeah in my the, favorite yeah, is the in the show they reference the actual what happened yeah. they're like the in the andes and i'm like oh so in this universe this also did actually happen which is so funny my favorite character is the girl who's a freshman who doesn't get on the plane because they like break her arm and then suddenly in the future she's three years older and suddenly is new, has the thickest new jersey accent ever yes because yes it's it's so meticulously well written until it's not <laughs> oh yeah and, no, and that happens some... quite a few times they're like writing a journal about the movie they saw in 2000 even though it's not 2000 yet (laughs) it's It's really good good. it's really good every single second christina christina ricci's on screen you're like i uh, this is the best thing i'm watching ever yeah give her the Uh, uh, mine is oh yeah she's amazing too um so there's a show called as we see it which i didn't like but the reason i'm saying it that that way it's on amazon prime it's about um three people um with autism just it's oh, a comedy yeah. drama going about their lives and just it's the reason i'm saying it's not good is because there's an israeli version that's originally based on from three years ago that's on hbo max that i watched thinking i was watching as we like it and it is fantastic and so then i finished that that's only six episodes then i watch as we as we see it and i'm like it is so maudlinly kind of like overly emotional nonsense where it's just like weepy. Also, it so basically it's three people. There's also the caseworker helper, and it's so much about her, like the 
it's just weirdly the fact that she's almost the main character like this not like the able it's a weirdly minorly ableist in a very strange way watch the original mm-hmm. one hbo max it's called on the spectrum and don't watch as we see it unfortunately right <laughs> now on the spectrum is only with english dubbing but it's it's, it's good dubbing though oh interesting I'm surprised that the dubbing would be the only thing available versus the subtitle. Yeah, I don't know why. Um, I will go, I'll do a TV show this week because I'm just about to finish it. It's on Netflix. It's Archive 81. Um, it is a very interesting, like, love craft. <laughs> what happened? Did I already say it? What? Brent no, said this Brent last, said week. last keep going. week. Damn it. Well, then you what? need to go see it. I didn't even know that. That's so funny. We're, <laughs> uh, we're obviously part of the yeah. same uh, potential uh, demonic play called murder mystery whatever but yeah i've got to say it's i'm the one who fucking told him to watch it i love that he finished it before <laughs> i did um that is so funny though but i would also highly recommend it um it's great my other recommendation since i don't i want to do an original one would be a uh, vivid night it came out on switch it's a very fun like roguelike you like build your teams uh it's sort of like automated combat but not really but if you liked uh my Shovel Knight, not Shovel Knight, but my, uh, God, I can't remember the, the thing that I made up, but my previous video game recommendation, I would definitely recommend checking out. It's got a very anime-inspired design. It's got a lot of decent amount of content, tons of things to unlock. It's like playing a gacha game that's all the stuff is included. Um, so we'll just check it out, and it's not, not too expensive. It's like 15, 20 bucks. Uh, well, this has been our issue. You can find us on Twitter at Homo Superior X. Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast. Rate and review us only if you like us. We hate bad reviews, but we'll take them too, I guess. Uh, we've been Homo Superior and like X-Men Unlimited number 13 through 20, we've been serviceable and adequate. So we love you guys. Have a great evening. <laughs> Bye.